Good morning. Good morning, guys. Are you well? Yes. Are you alive today? Isn't that incredible how, how involved and how God's using us to impact the, our city leaders, and, which impacts the city and also the world? Isn't that amazing? It's so incredible to be able to be a part of something bigger than yourself. And, and uh, I'm so excited to preach to you today. I've got an encouraging message for you today, and uh, I believe it's for somebody who's on the verge of making some pretty big decisions. And so I'm going to pray that God would use me to speak directly to you. And, uh, and I believe that God's word can, one line can speak to a hundred different people in a hundred different ways. And I pray that God will speak through me directly to you today. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for allowing us all to uh, come and be together today under your name. And I ask that above all, that, uh, that someone today would leave encouraged, that each person that came in would leave different than they came in, in Jesus' name. And I ask that above all, that your son would be revealed, Jesus Christ. In your name I pray. And everybody said, amen. 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 Okay, uh, I want to talk to you for a second. Is anybody bad at something? By show of hands, okay. Some of you aren't. Let me reword it. Is anybody have something in your life that you would like to improve that you would prefer not to do on television? Raise your hand. Okay, uh, um, that makes a little more sense. Then you can relate with me. As far back as I can remember, my body has been bad at sports. And, you know, I say my body is bad at sports because my brain is actually good at sports. Right? See, I can understand how someone can uh, dribble a soccer ball all the way down the field, pass people, and kick a goal, right? Right, yeah, no problem. But the thing is, then my brain has to outsource the job to my weird and uncoordinated lens. And uh, that's where the issue comes into play. Because, for instance, if I watch myself on video, it looks, doing sports, it looks like I just bought my body and I don't know how it works yet. So, I want to tell you about something that happened a couple years back. Uh, actually, it was junior year of high school. We are in Vietnam working at an orphanage, spending a couple weeks out there, okay? And for whatever reason, the, the friends I was with thought that I would be, was great at soccer. They had never seen me play before. And and um, turns out that we were invited to be a part of this Vietnamese soccer tournament. And it was to be aired on television, right? And guess what? They were so nice, and they bought me a uniform to play with them in a tournament on TV. And uh, long story short, the day of, uh, we show up, and guess what? I, I accidentally, unfortunately, left my uniform back at the orphanage. Sorry, guys. You know, it looks like I'll have to wait on the bench for you, right? And so... I think I, I'm good. I'm, I'm square. No one's going to see uh, how much of a loser I look like and how uncoordinated I am. So I'm sitting on the sidelines without my uniform, and uh, first game goes by. No problem. Second game, one of the girls from our team is running, slows down, stops, look o looks over at the stands, and falls down. And all of a sudden, my first reaction is not, oh, God, I hope she's okay. My first reaction is, oh, my God, I'm going to have to play. So uh, let's just be honest. So, so as you know it, 10 minutes later, guess who's walking out on the soccer field on TV wearing a heat stroke girl's uniform? This guy. And uh, 
I immediately reverted to my childhood strategies from gym class, right? Okay, here's, here's what it is. I'm out there, and I'm thinking, okay, I'll be fine. Here's the, here's the strategy. Just have as little contact with the ball as possible. Just the opposite of what everybody else is trying to do. Thanks, heat stroke girl, you know? So I, I get out there, and my insecurity is defining what I'm doing, not doing what I want to do, but my insecurity, what I believed about myself was defining what I was doing. Have as little contact with the ball as possible, which is to say, if you're not secure in who you are, your insecurity will inform you. Now, it's funny when we're talking about a silly soccer game, right? But when it's your life and it's a deep insecurity that you've been dealing with year after year, it's not really something to laugh at. Um, I want you guys to go with me to Exodus chapter Exodus chapter 3. And, and as it comes to insecurity, when we imagine where our lives could be, oftentimes it, it gets choked out by ourselves reminding ourselves of past failure. And when we begin to think these thoughts in our head, I'm not good enough. I'm not successful enough. I'm not sufficient enough. Whatever your deficiency is, insert it here. And what happens is when you begin to believe and think those thoughts over and over, those thoughts become who you are. If you aren't secure in who you are, your insecurity will inform you. And I want us to relate with someone who, in the scripture, on a deep level, has some deep embedded insecurity. But at the same time, he is actually one of the greatest heroes of the Bible ever talked about. And 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 this is actually a man who is a shepherd in Midian named Moses. And now we know Moses is one of the greatest heroes of the Bible. But he is also one of the most insecure. And this man had a extremely dysfunctional family life growing up. But at the same time was raised and well-educated. And I think that through Scripture we find that Moses is a lot more relatable to, to you and to me than you may think. See, we know that Moses, he was born into extreme poverty as a slave and given up, put up for adoption, and likely he never even knew his biological father. Do you realize that? When he's just three months old, and he, he's adopted, and he's raised in this palace, the, pa- the palace of people who, who own all these slaves. And, and growing up, he probably has no idea why he's not the same or why he doesn't seem to really fit in. He's in the palace, but he's somewhat treated as an outsider. And, and we see this frustration in the scripture builds up because we find that he even kills a slave driver who was mistreating an Israelite, who, who would have been like murdering a police officer in that time. And we find that his stepdad even charges him for murder, and Moses flees the country not knowing who he is or where he is going. Exodus chapter 3, verse 1. And we find him here in the wilderness where he finally finds some consistency with Midianite, these Midianite people as a shepherd living out the rest of his life. Verse 1, now Moses, who was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And there an angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire within a burning bush. And 
Moses saw that the bush was on fire and it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I'll go over and see this strange sight. Why does this bush not burn up? And keep in mind, while we read this, before you jump to conclusions, Moses does not know that he's in the Bible, right? He does not know what's going to happen. So put yourself in his situation here. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And when Moses, and Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place you are standing is on holy ground. Then God said, I am, underline I am if you're taking notes. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And at this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Now understand, at this point, Moses likely had no belief in God at all. All he was raised uh, was these pagan go- Egyptian gods. And the gods of the slaves, the Jews, was known to him as only as a false slave, a silent God. And all of a sudden, in this moment, you can imagine this grown man is experiencing this presence, causing him to hide his face. It's such an incredible moment. Verse 11 it says, But Moses said to God, I'm sorry, verse 7, the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt, and I've heard them crying out because they're slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians to bring them out into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. It's going to be good. The land of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Parasites. Who would want to go to the land of the Parasites? You know what I'm saying? Hivites and Jebusites. And verse 9, and now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I am, underline I am, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And if you can imagine what Moses is feeling at this point, this pressure, this, this huge life change, this, he finally finds consistency, and within a matter of five minutes, everything he knows is turned upside down. And we see in this next part of Scripture how he begins to feel and these insecurities begin to rise up and disqualify himself from what God had said. Verse 11, but Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Who am I? Who am I? In other words, that's nice, God. I'm flattered that you would pick me, but God, if you really knew the stuff that I've been into, I don't think that you would pick me. You know, God, see, now I see that it's powerful that you're holy, but God, you know, I have a few insecurities that I'm working through that you're asking me to do these things, and I'm pretty insecure about them. I know you are, but who am I? I know you are, but who am I? And in life, I believe that our full potential hinges on the answer to this question. And if you're taking notes, write this down. Number one, I know you are. But who am I? I know you are, but who am I? And the problem was not that Moses didn't believe that God was able. The problem was Moses, he didn't believe that Moses was able. You see, oftentimes we don't doubt. We don't believe, we don't doubt that God can do great things. But the doubt comes in when we're thinking, can, God can't do great things in, in me. We don't doubt that God can heal people, but when it comes to our sickness, we doubt that God can heal us. 
when it comes to other people's addictions. Yeah, we know God can break addictions, but when it comes to that deep, dark place you've been dealing with for the last five years, God, see, I, I know you are, but who am I? I know you are, but who am I? And I wonder today what God-given opportunities God has given you but have you've passed by because of the question, well, who am I? I wonder how many dreams that you had that are placed up on the shelf with a who am I mentality. See, we're going to jump down to verse 11, which says, I'm sorry, not verse 11. We're not quite there yet. Yeah, we're going to jump over to Exodus 4, verse 10. Okay, so within this time period, a lot happens, right? God performs some miracles, does some pretty incredible stuff. And still, this is what Moses says, Exodus 4, verse 10. And what happens next in this dialogue reveals so much of human nature. 4, verse 10. Moses said to the Lord, pardon your ser servant, Lord, but I I've never been eloquent, neither the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. It, see, I am slow of speech and tongue. In other words, God, how, how do you expect me to, to negotiate with one of the most powerful men in the entire world when I have a stuttering issue? God, I know, I know you are, but who am I? And since we started this dialogue, God, it doesn't seem like much has changed. And I think that our insecurities can relate to a lot. And we've all been in that place. And verse 11, here's what God says to him. <laughs> this is incredible. Who gave human beings their mouth? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go. I will help you speak and teach you what to say. And again, Moses refers back to his insecurity. Verse 13, Moses says, Pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. And then the scripture says this. The Lord's anger burned against Moses. Which is to say, what if insecurity is an ultimate insult to God? Because when you imply that you are deficient, what is it that you are saying about your creator? But God says to Moses, and, and now go. And not even acknowledging his deficiency. And Moses, he, he lacked what he believed was necessary. But God chose him anyway. And God says, now Moses, if you live, this is, if you live by what other people think of you, you will never discover what I have placed inside of you. And so when I was younger, my brothers and I were forbidden to say a certain two words. Did anybody have weird wor bad words in your family growing up? Any wor weird words that you weren't allowed to say that nobody else was allowed to say? Okay. So we, were, uh, we weren't allowed to say these two, two words. And to say these two words together would turn my day upside down. It would turn a great day into a day of washing dad's car and spending the rest of the day doing yard work. Okay. So here's what these two words are. You ready? Okay. I'm bored. I'm bored. You're who? 
bam, slap right in the face. Well, I'll give you something to do, boy. Why don't you grab that rag, go wipe down my car, and spend the rest of your day mowing the lawn. Then you'll see if you're bored or not. See, you know, and as a kid, you, you feel like you're just saying what you're feeling, right, to, to get someone to relate. But in fact, I'm implying something about the person who created the environment for me. So when you say things such as, I'm so stupid, I'm so insecure, I'm not good enough, God would say, stop, I'm not those things. Uh, who made you? And I believe that the enemy tries to fill us with lies and, and get us all obsessed on what we lack. And if the enemy can get us obsessed on what we lack, it diverts our attention from what God has called us to do. And it's about to get good. We have one more question that we're going to ask. And, and, uh, and I want to end this point with this statement is, what if today, if God left it out of you, you do not need it to become everything God has called you to be? This next question is very toxic in the same way and something that I think we can all relate to. Number two, suppose I'm not blank enough. Suppose I'm not blank enough. Now, go ahead and fill that in, whether you're in your notes and in your mind, with your deficiency, with what you deal with. I'm not blank enough. I'm not strong enough. Suppose I'm not caring enough. Suppose I'm not smart enough. And it's important to identify the lies of the enemy in order to combat them. Suppose I'm not blank enough. And what God says in this next passage, I believe, speaks to the deficiency in all of us. Exodus 3, go back to Exodus 3, verse 12. And God said, I will be with you. This will be a sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain, which is so cool. The very place that Moses led a couple hundred sheep, he's about to lead a couple million people. This mountain, Moses said to God, well, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your father has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? And what shall I tell them? Suppose I go, in other words, and they don't accept me. Suppose I go and I'm not enough. And we know, we know through study, psychologists and experts find that 80 to 90% of a child's identity as an adult is made up of the words spoken to them by their father figure. So you can see why, why Moses, who never had a stable father, he went from dad to dad, he, he never had someone who believed in him, is feeling this deficiency. Suppose I'm not blank enough. And what's incredible is what God says, and I think is the key to this entire passage in this next verse. Here's what God says in reply. Verse 14, God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you were to say to the Israelites. I am has sent you. In other words, now Moses, I know and you've told me that you're not a lot of things, but hear this, for everything that you're not, I am. And it gets better. Here's what God also said to Moses. Say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. The name you shall call me from generation to generation. In other words, not only am I the God 
who was. Not only am I the God who is going to be, I am the God who is. Not only am I the God of 1000 BC, but I am the God of 2014. And you can see with every insecurity, every deficiency, Moses objects to God's calling on his life. God overrules by shifting the attention off of Moses's deficiency to God's I am, to God's I am. Turn to somebody next to you and say, I am. Say, I am. Say it boldly. Say, God's I am. I am. And what's, what's interesting is that's how the enemy tries to combat us, is, is if he can get us uh, through lies and he talks to you. He, you know what? The enemy talks to you in first person to the point where you are so focused on how deficient you are that you can forget who made you in the first place? So the other day, I went through, went for a, a quick run over on Trinity Trails. Anybody likes to go to Trinity Trails? It's looking gray all the time. So I'm going for a quick, quick run. Hey, I saw Bo. I saw you there the other day. I said, hey, Bo. And you're just like, hey, I don't know you. <laughs> it's fantastic. It's beautiful. That's neither here nor there. But we'll talk about that later. So I'm running, and we're, I'm about to cross a bridge over by where the basketball court is near Lancaster. So I'm about to run across the bridge, and on the other side, I see this little three-year-old girl with her mom and dad. She's walking a little bit behind him, and, and, I, and I look up, and she, from across the bridge, she's just smiling so big, and they're waving, just waving at me like this. And so, and so I, I look up, and I just ah, I give her a little wave. It's kind of weird. <laughs> and so I keep running, and I look up a couple steps later. And there she is still, just waving, looking me dead in the eye, just smiling, waving at me. And I'm thinking, this is going to get a little bit weird. I don't think her parents see her waving. And if I keep waving at her parents, this could be weird. So I wave over again, and her parents kind of look at me this time. I'm like, okay, I'm going to look down. And I keep running. I keep running. I'm just like, she better not be waving. And I look right as we're about to cross past each other. She's right there in my face, waving and smiling. And I give her a nice wave again, and her parents give me a weird look. So I began to wonder. What is it that made this little girl so happy? Why is she just full of so much joy, not a care in the world? Because she knows that she is loved. She doesn't have to worry about if she's going to have provisions because she's right there holding dad's hand. She knows I don't have a care in the world because whatever it is, dad's going to take care of it. And this exuberant joy that was coming out of her, all that was was a picture of what was happening on the inside. Ephesians 5.1 says, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. And as a beloved children has no worries as long as dad is there. Uh, a beloved child says, when I, when I grow up, uh, I want to be just like, Dad, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. And what I, was, what I began to think is, I wonder, I'll ask you the question today, what would the two- or three-year-old version of yourself think of you today? Would that little boy or little girl be happy and smile with who you've become, or would they be heartbroken? I wonder what's happened between today and when you were that age. What suppose I'm not blank enough have defined who you are. 
suppose I'm not blank enough. See, growing up, teachers would ask me when I was younger. They'd ask me what I wanted to be when I grow up, okay? So, um, and I guess my answers were a little different than most kids, okay? So, so at, at parent-teacher conferences, here's what the, my, the teachers would tell my parents. You know, Timothy, he's, uh, uh, my first name is Timothy. I don't know if you know, middle name is Preston. I go by Preston. You know, Timothy, he, he, he doesn't, he's not like most kids. He doesn't want to be an architect or a fireman or a cop. Uh, okay, yeah, well, what does, he, what does he say that he wants to be? Yeah, you know, uh, you sure? Yeah, okay. Uh, t- he says, uh, I want to be, a, when I grow up, I want to be a, a cowboy and uh, a man of God and, this last one, a Jedi Knight. <laughs> and, uh, and so I, I, a couple weeks ago, we found this video. Uh, is everything good, you guys? We found this video that can explain a little bit about that. So uh, put your eyes on the screen and let's check this out. What are you doing? Some things never change. Okay, go. It's time to pray. Go ahead and pray. Watching me. Thank you for watching me. And protecting me. And protecting me. Give me a good night of sleep. Give me a good night of sleep. Let your angels watch over me. Let your angels watch over me. And protect me. Protect me. Help me to wake up. Help me to wake up. In the morning. In the morning. And be very happy. Be happy. And please my mom and dad. And please my mom and dad. And you, Jesus. And you, Jesus. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. Help me. Help me. To grow up. To grow up. To be. To be. A man of God. Amen. Amen. Love you, buddy. Not time, okay? So technically, I'm not a cowboy today, although I do live in Fort Worth, and my friends from the north think I might be, and, uh, and I haven't made much progress on being becoming a Jedi Knight, but one thing that my dad says to me, especially recently, is, son, I am proud of the man of God you've become. What my father was speaking over to me as a three-year-old is coming to pass today. Isn't that amazing? Which is to say, if you aren't secure in who you are, your insecurity will inform you. And like Moses, you you may not have had a father to speak into who you are, and you may have so many, suppose I'm not blank enough that you, that you deal with. And, and you know what? The enemy will take that opening to plant doubt. But if you believe that God is who he says he is, which is a perfect heavenly father,
Father, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. Guess what God was, here's what I believe God would say to you today who didn't have the chance to have a father speak that over you. Here's what the scripture says. You are wonderfully and beautifully made. You are my masterpiece. I loved you so much that I sent my son to die for you. And son, for whatever you're not, I am. Would you stand with me? I want to close looking at this last topic. And here's what it is. I don't think I am. I know I am. And sometime later, Moses led millions of people to the very spot he had just led a couple hundred sheep. And there God gave Moses 10 commandments, as you know, and one of them in particular is this, thou shalt not take the name of your Lord God in vain. Now, growing up, I thought this just had a very limited meaning, right? But in fact, a few years later, after what God did there, quite some time, God sent his son Jesus to the earth as a living sacrifice. And Jesus revealed himself as I am, fulfilling what God had said to Moses. And now, if you believe in what Jesus did for you, you're something called born again. Now, growing up, uh, I would travel a lot with my dad, and from the airport to the hotel, we'd get a rental car, and, and what would happen was is the, the, the procedure would be I would get the, the, uh, the suitcases and luggage, take them all inside while dad went and parked the car. So this one time, I got this genius idea. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to try this. Uh, uh, I'm going to walk straight in. Instead of going to the side and to the lobby, I'm going to walk straight to the counter, look the lady square in the eyes, and I'm going to say, check in for Mr. Woody, please, reservation. So I did it, and the lady kind of looked at me like this. Uh, Mr. Woody? I said, yes. And... She said, well, uh, I'm going to need to see an ID that matches the identification for your, from your reservation. I said, no problem. Reached in my back pocket, pulled out my wallet, pulled out my, uh, my ID, and guess what it said? Timothy Woody. And she said, oh, Mr. Woody, your room is all ready. You have access. And guess what? It's better. You even have a credit card already on file. Thank you for that. And guess what? Why? Because on April 21st, 1992, I came into this world without a name. But on that day, I took on my father's name, Timothy Woody. And from that moment on, I bore his name. I can walk with his authority. Same thing happened to you on the day you met Jesus. You were born again. You took on his name. And at that moment, everything changed. And I believe that God would say for somebody today that for whatever your parents weren't, I am. And for Moses, you go and tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And when Pharaoh says, who do you think that you are? Do you really think that you have what it takes to lead these people? You can look Pharaoh straight in the face and say, I don't think I am because I know I am. It's not an I am me, it's an I am him because you took on his name. So when you take the Lord,
Lord's name and you walk and you act like you are so deficient, you are so insecure, that's taking the Lord's name in vain. You can walk in authority. So, t- so this week, Monday comes and insecurities and doubt starts attacking you and saying, who do you think you are? Do you really think that you have what it takes to become what God's called you to be? Do you really think that you're worth it? Do you really think that anybody could love you? You can look back in the face of that insecurity and say, I don't think I am because I know I am. Would you raise your hands and worship God today? Just lift your hands as a sign of surrender. And I believe God will say something.